everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website, and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Bogger-Milas, and I'm the editor here at Televisions, and joining me as per usual and alone for the first time in several weeks is uh, my co-host and associate editor, Miss Annie Bundle. Hello. Hello. I'm always here. I know. I thought you were going to say you were always alone, and I'm like, no. wow, don't tell Rob. Um, no, I'm always here. Um, I, I, I am, I am rarely alone right now because you know work still hasn't picked up for Rob. Um, so I have a husband underfoot rather a lot. Um, how, how, how are you doing? Mm. Well, don't worry, don't worry. I read a terrifying story earlier this week about. Um, I guess we're about to be invaded by some sort of parachuting giant spiders, and I'm like, I'm um, done. No, I'm done. No. Done. I'm done no. with this timeline. No. I'm done with this series. Whatever we're doing, this season of America is bad. Um, why does it have to be spiders? I mean, it would be worse if it was snakes, but I mean, just giant spiders flying through the air is not a thing that I'm into. Uh, I'm just going to stay in the house again. I was going to say long and short of this is I am back on house arrest, uh, (laughs) until the wave of parachuting spiders passes. So that's, it's good that I'm used to it, I guess. (laughs) All right. So what are we talking about today? Cause I really want to change the subject now. Thankfully, there is uh this is this is like the world's most awkward segue, but thankfully there's a lot of television coming my way in the next few months while I hide in the house from the parachuting giant spiders. Um I don't think they're the nice kind like Charlotte's Web either. They seem to be quite militant and large. I have had to live with that image for several days and now you all do too. <laughs> but uh on the actual topic of the show that you have tuned into, uh, this is our annual uh, spring... I mean, I guess it's the third year we've done it. It's annual now. Our annual spring preview edition of the show. Yep. Where we try to suss out the billion things that are coming to various networks and platforms in the next three-ish months. I mean, there there's a lot coming in the next three-ish months. Um, so we're just going to highlight like some of the best stuff that we think fans will want to know about um and you know we should just we should just start with the large regency elephant in the room um and uh, wait which one there's several there's two um i was actually thinking of the one that's coming to masterpiece um sanditon sanditon lives i know uh uh, sanditon season two will it's been a long journey yeah (laughs) in a way to me it sort of kicks off um, this sort of wave of of television that's arriving. Basically, spring arrives on March 20th, and so does Sanditon. Um, in fact, so does PBS's entire Sunday lineup, which is anchored by Sanditon at 9 o'clock. Um, check your local listings, etc., etc. Um, <laughs> so, uh, we have to say that. we One day we will do an episode on the oddities of the PBS system scheduling. Scheduling. Yeah. But that's not today. Um, so... Uh, for those who have been living under a rock um, or aren't related to Sanditon Sisterhood people, um, you may have not have heard that Sanditon uncanceled itself um, rather conveniently last spring uh, out of the blue. Unfortunately, it uncanceled itself a little too late to get everyone to come back. Um, so there are some rather major characters who will not be returning. Wait, while we're on the under a rock, Thing. Let's do a quick summary that Sanditon is an adaptation of Jane Austen's final unfinished novel and follows all of the sort of traditional things that you expect from a Jane Austen story. There are genteely poor people trying to be less genteely poor. There are uh, in a non-Austeny twist, like some sort of avaricious capitalists who are trying to turn their seaside resort town into a major money-making sort of scheme. There are heiresses and betrayals and emotion and everything everything that you expect from this yeah and um in in season one there was a uh, rose williams as charlotte haywood the uh, heroine um who fell madly in love with sydney parker played with by theo james and they were sort of the you know they were the end game couple of the story except that andrew davies who was uh, the showrunner of the time uh believed erroneously that they were going to get a season two and so therefore split them up at the end of the season assuming he needed to keep them apart to continue the story um the show was then uh unceremoniously canceled before it even came to the united states um which meant that it basically ended in the most unjacent austin fashion possible i know Um, everyone was like crying it was yes it was very ugly. not great so when they announced that you know 
we would be coming back to Sanditon and Charlotte would be returning to Sanditon in season two and three. And there was no mention of Sidney Parker. People kind of went eyebrow raise. And that's because uh, Mr. Theo James had already been offered a much plumber role at a much plumber network called HBO in starring in the Time Traveler's Wife. Which we uh, will discuss later in this yes. episode. Um, so he was uh, not available to return. Um, not only was he not available to return, but Leo Souter, who was uh, Young Stringer, the other uh, love interest of Charlotte's, he had been offered uh, a role over at Vikings Valhalla over at Netflix, and so he wasn't available to come back either. And He Ian- looks really good in Vikings Valhalla oh God, for those of you who there. are who are shallow like me and enjoy only partially true historical sagas and and to to add insult to injury the one love story that did actually end happily in season one the Babingtons um Esther and Lord Babington Mark Stanley who plays Lord Babington was also not available to come back as he had also been cast elsewhere so um basically we are missing three of the biggest men we have Charlotte back um we have Crystal Clark returning as Georgiana um and we even have a new character who has been added Allison uh, Haywood who is played by Rosie Graham and she is uh, Charlotte's little sister who is now of age so we have three women who are basically in want of a husband and a whole lot of new men to try to make up for the fact that none of the other ones are back <laughs> um, I'm not gonna complain listen some of these guys are pretty hot all right Ben Lloyd Hughes Tom Weston Jones uh you know like we we have some really good looking guys here I actually love Alexander Vlahos, whose name I am sure I just butchered. I'm sorry. You're amazing. I loved you on Versailles. Um, yeah, Frank Blake is another one, and Maxim Eyes is the third. Um, so yeah, there's there, there's basically like an entire little like you know uh, f- phalanx of men that are showing up and taking off their shirts and bathing in the waters and maybe putting their pants on when girls come around. Um, there's also an army that's going to march to town because you know armies you know march on their stomach and rent houses and um. Tom Parker, who is the 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 uh, oldest brother, is basically trying to get things back to trying to get Sanditon back on track. And, you know, having an army show up and spend a lot of money is is good for him. Um, I am I, um, I'm very interested how the fandom is going to respond to season two. I I know that there's a lot of people who are very into this show. I really genuinely believe that they will enjoy the show. But also there, I mean, the fact is, is that we have that that, that the- there's big changes. There's big changes. Yes. And that is hard to it's hard to it's hard to get something that you wanted, but then find out that the thing that you got wasn't exactly uh, what you thought it was, you know. So yeah. I get I get that there are probably a fair amount of people who are upset about this. But I will say as someone who I think has proven my stripes as a Sidlot shipper, um. I'm just I I I'm just really glad the show is back. I didn't think it would be. I think it's just a gift that we get more of it at all and I'm going to try to enjoy it in that light as opposed to as opposed to what I sort of thought it would be like after season one immediately ended i mean part of this is that theo james had some things to say about how he truly believed that like this heartbreak ending was really like original and fresh and that has sort of soured me on him a little bit (laughs) but um it's okay he's gone off to marry rose leslie and time traveler's wife it's fine uh, but at the end of the day like i like the most important aspect of the show for me is charlotte i think charlotte is a great character i think i think rose williams is a great actress in this role i'm just gonna try to take I'm just going to try to take it for what it is and not what I sort of told myself it should be, if that makes sense. I'm looking forward to it. I I have to say, I I like that. I like that take. Um, As someone who has um, seen the first few episodes, I'm, you know, I don't want to break any kind of embargoes, but my my only review that I'm going to say here is that I was pleasantly surprised by what I saw when I watched it. Um, I was not, I went in with zero expectations. 
I, I, you know, a show that gets canceled and then uncanceled like this, it's, you know, you, you just don't know what to expect. It could be brilliant. It could be an absolute train wreck. And, well, I and you was... know what else I think it is, too, is that it was sort of canceled and resurrected by the same place that it was before. Yeah. And I think when you get when you get like a Netflix stepping in to save a Lucifer or to save whatever, like it's a clear like line of demarcation between like the before times and the second era if you will so like i think you're mentally primed to accept that it's going to be something a little bit different because it's coming from an entirely like different location yeah and here it's coming from the same location so we expect it to sort of pick up where it left off and that's just not a thing that it's not gonna do that and i have to say that in 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 all of the choices it could have made in how to handle the changes that it it was it the hand it was dealt i think this is the best this is the best thing that it could have done with those with those choices i mean you got to you got to play the hand you're dealt too yes. so and and i i'm really i i have to say like i i i i'm reserving judgment cuz i haven't seen the whole season but i i am i am cautiously optimistic in a way that i would not have been before this um yeah, me too. I'm just glad it's back, which is maybe like the most sort of twee way to feel about it. But I just thought it was over and it's not. And that is a win in my mm. book. Um, So Sanditon is coming back. It is the anchor to the Masterpiece Sunday Night lineup. Um, It will be it, it gets a lead in and a lead out show. The lead in show will be called The Midwife, which um, if you feel like, hey, didn't you call The Midwife just and that's because it kind of just did. It did. Um, yeah. Also, at this point, this is going to be season eleven of Call the Midwife, so um, y'all know what you're getting. Mm-hmm. I think like yes. it's not like it's it's going to be the same kinds of stories, the same kind of characters. I haven't looked up a lot of info on this, so I don't know if we're getting like a new midwife or something. We could be, but I'm sure there'll be some babies born and some like tragic deaths and Kleenex. Um. I, okay. So. So I have actually done a little bit of uh, a little bit of looking up. <laughs> Wait, here's where I admit that I haven't finished last season, and I need to really get on that before we get to this one, so we can talk about it. Um, yeah. Uh, so basically, we are jumping ahead to uh, 1967. Uh, the season will open in Easter 1967, for the record, um, and it is a Eurovision episode, which. As, as a Eurovision Woo! fan. Annie is a Eurovision obsessive. You guys don't even know. <laughs> I love Eurovision. And I am very excited. I was very excited when Grantchester did a Eurovision episode um, a couple seasons ago. And I'm very excited that we are getting a Eurovision episode. Because the the mid the mid to late 1960s, you know, when it first came out, it was sort of, it was part of, you know, the unspoken gay culture of, of Europe and of the UK. And it's the mid-1960s when it really sort of broke big and became very mainstream. So it's it's right that this is basically now reaching the same point on Call the Midwife. So I'm very excited about that. Um, I'm also, you know, there, there's, you know, there's definitely like some changes. Uh, we're going to have uh, Cyril and, Luc- and Lucille have been married. Um, you know, Nancy is finally darning her red cardigan. Um, there's going to be, you know, and, and then the rest of it is, you know, the kinds of things you expect from this show. Um, you know, there, there, there's m- newly married women with troubling symptoms. There's there's difficult pregnancies. When will they let Sister Monica Joan just retire? When? Um, yeah, there's a, there's a, um, and, you know, this is also the point when the tenement blocks all began to be demolished in the late 1960s. And I do believe that there is an episode where they deal with a lot of that kind of, uh, the, it, it's not quite gentrification the way we think of it here in the 21st century, but it's sort of like the 1960s version of gentrification. Um, and I would not be surprised in the slightest if we get a lot of, um, you know, sort of symbols towards that in this in, the, in, that, in that episode. Um, and yes, I will absolutely say, that, can we just please, please let Sister Monica Joan go? Like I mean I don't I don't mean like kill her or anything. <laughs> no 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 like send her like upstate to play with all the other nuns or whatever I don't know I don't just mean like I don't mean that I I think that would be really cruel but I also just like I I only in only speaking for myself I am just so tired of like the Monica Jones sister Monica Jones like gets into some weird hijinks because her memory's going plot and I can't I can't do it anymore 
I, I don't blame you, and I'm, and yeah, um, I, I am, you know, there are, there are things about Call the Midwife that are at this point a little problematic in that they can't let go of things that they should have let go of. Which is funny, though, because, like, there's so much of this show that does. Like, if we added up all of the different midwives and nuns and people that have been on the show over, let's not forget, we're going to season 11 right now, an entire decade of episodes. Like, there are certainly plenty of people, including the former main character who are no longer on the show. I just don't know why they're, like, so hung up on Monica John. So um, the other show that will be uh, debuting along with Call the Midwife season 11 and Sanditon season two is the 10 p.m. mystery. And that this season is going that for this this round of episodes season. It's not quite a season um, is going to be uh, a a new version of Before We Die. Um, Walter's Choice fans will recognize the title. Um, This is. Like um, like Professor T, this is taking a a, a a foreign language TV show, remaking it um, in the UK in English language, and then bring it bringing it over here as the English language debut. Um, the original Before We Die is a Nordic noir. It stars Marie Richardson um, as Hannah, who is this a uh, 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 she's a police she's a policeman who is basically. Um, you know, uh, she she's discovered that her son is basically like a, a undercover is like an informant and like um, and that 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 he's in a lot of danger. Um, the new version will star Leslie Sharp. Um, I don't be- I believe it moves the uh, the the action from um, uh, from Sweden to uh somewhere in the uk though i can't, don't remember off the top of my head um long time listeners are probably aware of the episode we did the last time they tried to do this is when they tried to make professor t happen in you know a, a uk version of professor t happen this is essentially the same thing and i essentially expect the same level of well my personal interest in it which is zero and just sort of, I don't know. It just again, we can, we had such a long conversation about this when when Professor T premiered. I just don't know what the point is of making these very paint by number remakes of shows that were already successful in a foreign language. Like our audiences are smart; they can read subtitles. Yeah, we we are not affected by the bigotry of one inch subtitles. We we. We we are people who like subtitled television. I like it because it makes me put down my phone and actually watch. I leave subtitles on a lot of the times when I can on like regular English television because I want to actually know what people's names are. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I I wish I wish every single screener people sent me had had captions. I wish um, just so I could make sure that I always spell people's names right. Um, but anyway, like the, the point is, this is a, this is basically the same sort of thing where we take a, a show that was set in Stockholm and we, we redo it for the UK. And it's, um, if you've seen the Before We Die version, if we see, if you've seen the Nordic version, you're basically going to know what to expect with this. If you've never seen it, you might like it. You probably, I know, you Leslie, know, to be fit, to, to say something nice now that I've jumped on it, um, Leslie Sharp is great. Oh, yeah. She was wonderful in Scott and Bailey. She's great. Like, I really, you know, I mean, Ben Miller, who is in the the UK version of Professor T, is great. Like, there's really strong performers in these shows. It's just, it seems to be so not for the people who would be its target audience, which is the people who have seen the original. Um, And then would probably just, I know a lot of people who watched, who watched the Professor T one were very disappointed that it was so, like, like why even watch it if you've seen the first one? I yeah I don't know I don't have super I I don't like this trend, which is why I don't I'm sure I'm sure the quality of the show is going to be excellent or it wouldn't have been made and it wouldn't be crossing over to America. I just I just really dislike this trend and I don't support it. Yeah, I have to say, like, I, I, I appreciate the concept behind it that 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 Walter, who is a real person has looked at, you know, these shows that he's bringing over and seeing that, you know, uh, in the UK, Walter Presents is basically sort of viewed as an elitist sort of uh, streaming service. Because People everything don't watch is... things with subtitles. Exactly. And, and that he is trying to take these shows that he loves 
and make them accessible for everyone. And I get that. And in the UK, these shows have done really well in the ratings. And, you know, Walter's Choice is one of the things that um, PBS Passport especially has really gone in, gone all in on um, in terms of content. But, you know, maybe that's also part of maybe that's also part of uh, not the problem, but it speaks to what I was saying before of like if this remake were on a different platform maybe it would be different because i feel like because pbs audiences do have access to all of these original things like my mother-in-law loves the original professor t like you know they have access to all of these and have have probably seen them or not even on passport like our station here in dc um weta airs a lot of of the original language Walter's Choice offerings. Like there's a whole night on on WTA UK that's like just foreign shows. And and I feel like, you know, this is an audience that's already like primed to be into this kind of thing who already has access to it. And this just feels like you're giving that same audience the same thing. And I wonder if I would be, I would probably be resistant to it just because I don't, like I said, I don't like this trend. I think it's lazy. But I if this were on a different like if this were on Netflix, like that maybe be different. Yeah, or if this were on HBO Max, yeah, I I, I have to agree that uh, yeah, it's PBS versus PBS, and that doesn't you know we expect a very certain sort of thing from PBS, and and we're not willing to give as much leeway because we know what we we as members we know what we want. <laughs> Um, speaking of Netflix, let's talk about the other oh, nice segue. The other Regency <laughs> elephant in the room, uh, Bridgerton. Um, and I have to just say, like, I am so impressed with the, the, this entire week of of March twentieth. You know, we have we have this. We I have know this it's slate, exhausting. We have this slate <laughs> of PBS shows, and then on Monday we have the Gilded Age finale, and then that Friday we get all eight episodes of Bridgerton. It's literally like a feast. Um, so Bridgerton, as we have said, um, they- FYI, in case those of you who have not read the books like me, I still haven't finished the first book in this series. Um, Need to know this important information. The season apparently prominently features a corgi, and his name is Newton. <laughs> uh, yes, that is very important information. Thank you. Um, so, if more more to the point, if you haven't read these books, the Bridgerton series is basically um, American author Julia Quinn basically came up with this sort of it's a regency it's a set of regency romance books. And each book in the series follows a different sibling in the improbably large and probably rich Bridgerton family. Um, and each I of their... I still don't know how they have so much money with having that many kids, but... And no husband. Um, yeah, I, I suspend your disbelief. Just suspend your disbelief. Yeah. Um, so season one was all about Daphne, and she fell in love with the Duke of Hastings, and they had their lovely romance, and they're living happily ever after. Um, and so season two will not feature them. As the books, each book fo- features a different sibling. Season two is going to focus on Anthony Bridgerton, the eldest son, uh, the Viscount, who is now desperately in need of a wife as he has a fortune and need of heirs. Um, you know what I'm interested in as someone who has only read like half of the first book? I really need to just I, I read like nine things at once. So it's really I don't know. I have a hard time balancing things sometimes. But as somebody who has only read half of the first book, but loved the first season of the show, I'm very curious as to how they're sort of going to sort of going to walk this line of uh, uh, turning Anthony into a romantic hero after the first season of the show in which he was kind of a jerk. Because in the book, I thought Anthony was much like, uh, I thought Anthony was just nicer, like not as much like he wasn't, he wasn't as directly antagonistic to sort of Daphne's goals and dreams and to Simon generally. And so I don't, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Um, We'll dig into this when we do our Bridgerton episode, um, which we are doing a Bridgerton episode. I promise you, um, because I have a lot to say. Um, But one of the things about the Netflix adaptation of these books is that these books, when they're written, they, they, they were, they're, they're standard romances. The, the, the lead people are the, the two love interests and everyone else is sort of a side character who fades away. 
one of the things that the show has done is really changed that and turned this into this big rollicking ensemble piece, putting these the, the these uh, backstories and and front stories, but on, on either side of all of the all of the characters different different romances, you know. So they have they have romances that will build up to their big romance, and then they have lives that happen afterwards. They don't just fade off and live happily ever after. Um, but in doing that, one of the things that they did in season one is Anthony isn't this sort of like pleasant person who's sort of off to the side and fades away. He had to have a real character and he had to have a real arc. And so they took him and they made him much more antagonistic so that he was much more of a leading figure because they knew that he would be taking over in season two. And that choice sort of backfired a little bit because people really didn't like Anthony. I mean, he did, uh, I don't remember the opera singer's name, but Sabrina Bartlett's character, he did her dirty. Yeah, uh, uh, Sienna is her name. And the the hilarious part is that Sienna is completely made up for the show. It is literally, her existence is literally taken from one line from from the Viscount who, lo- from the Viscount who loved me, where Kate thinks to her, where Kate vaguely observes Anthony um has been seeing an opera singer or just stopped seeing an opera singer. Like, it's a throwaway line. There's no actual character that you ever meet. And the the, t- the TV series literally took this one line and built him an entire romance so that he had this doomed romance before he meets Kate in the new season so that he has this whole backstory. And that's what I mean by they build these front stories and backstories around all the characters. And in some cases it works, and in some cases I'm not so sure it works. I think one of the things about the books is that because the other siblings sort of fade into the background until it's their turn to step up, you you sort of don't you, you don't know anything about them until they step up. Yeah, you don't have like pre, you don't have like a preconceived idea of who they are. Yes. other than the fact that they just like exist. Yes, whereas you, I am sure the Bridgerton fans have very strong feelings about Eloise and very strong feelings about Colin and very strong feelings about Benedict and Anthony and all the rest, which is going to affect how their romances proceed when they have their seasons. And um, just just for the record, Daphne is the only one who's done out of alphabetical order. The rest of the books are in alphabetical order. So this is Anthony. Next uh, season three will be Benedict. Season four will be Colin. Season five will be Eloise. Season six will be Francesca, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Unless, of course, they decide to start smushing some of these seasons together, which I wouldn't be surprised if they did for reasons that we'll discuss later. Um, The thing is also about this particular season. The Viscount Who Loved Me is actually the most popular of the Bridgerton novels. And it's because Kate, Anthony's love interest, is the most popular heroine of all the heroines that she introduces. Um, and it's partly because she's the oldest. She's the most, she has the most established personality. She is, uh, she is the most willful. She has, she has Newton. Um, she's just a Newton. great, great character. And, this is one thing that the show really has to get right. Like it can change a lot of things, but if 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 fans of the books don't feel that they nail Kate, it's not gonna work. Um, and that's um, I like all the promo photos of her fashion. <sighs> I, I have to say, like, I actually, one of the things I really love about this season of Bridgerton, um, I love how they diversify the the ton and the the, 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 the Regency era. And I think the choice oh, yeah, to it does, make... It does, I was going to say, it does seem worth noting that in, in one of the big changes, much like they made the sort of House of Hastings black in the first season, Kate and her family are of... um. Indian? They're, they're uh, South Asian. So, they're, they're, they're from so, Bombay. Okay. That was like they're so, they're South Asian somewhere. Yeah. Um they uh and instead so her name isn't Kate Sheffield as it is in the books. It's Kate Sharma. Um and there is actually a nod to the Sheffields in the story later, but well I no spoilers. Um all I have to say is that they do they do sort of find ways to to nod to the books. Um but it does change how these characters are perceived. It does change how these characters act. And I, I, I actually look forward to that. Um, one of the things about season one and making the House of Hastings a black family is that it really sort of uh, highlighted the Americanness of the entire production and of the people who were thinking about it. Because when they thought diversify, the first thing they thought of was to add black characters 
Whereas anyone who has lived in the UK knows that the largest subpopulation is South Asian. Um, and so not having South Asian characters, not having, you know, Pakistani and Indian characters in this world was a real oversight that is born of American thinking. And this is a real great course correction as far as I'm concerned. Huzzah. Um, so yeah, that's Bridgerton. I am so excited. I'm not going to lie. I, I love that. I love this stupid show. <laughs> I just do. I mean, it's just, it's so, it's so, you just sink into it and it's, you know, and the fact, the fact that they're, they're releasing all eight at once as opposed to Sanditon, which will be weekly also really helps. I think if I had to get a weekly dose of both, I would go a little mad, but having like, <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like having one to sort of luxuriate in and the other to wait for is going to be a, is, is going to be a nice contrast. I think. Um, I, I don't know. Period drama people are time is here. Enjoy it. <laughs> Seriously. Um, so, uh, over, I, I was going to also throw out a few uh, streaming um, suggestions that are going to be coming in the, the, yeah, the next Yeah, she has few- a list. Don't believe this. Like, oh, I just thought I'd throw out a few. She's got a list. I, I do have a list. Um, we're going to be getting quite a few British things on streaming. Um, Showtime is bringing The Man Who Fell to Earth, um, which is a remake of the Walter Tevis novel. It is not a remake. It is sort of an extension. And I only say this because I am the podcast person who is probably the most obsessed with the late iconic David Bowie and the reason you know the man who fell to earth is because of the the culty classic film of the same name that Bowie starred in and he was an alien because he's Bowie so of course and this is basically kind of an extension of that universe I think it's I, from what I can tell it's meant to happen after the events of that film the character that Bowie plays in the film uh, does appear in the show, but the show is not about him. I don't know. I'm intrigued. I can't decide if I'm interested in this or or not. I don't know. But all I know is they cast Bill Nye to play like the much older alien that David Bowie plays in the film. And I don't know. That's some casting that I can get behind. So I'm at least going to try it. Um, I also wanted to note that there is a, a really great new mystery that's um, there's been a there's been several great new mysteries that are just vi- that have been coming to Acorn and BritBox. Uh, Acorn is going to bring us uh, it's called Harry Wild. Um, and this is a basically if you guys listening are of the same sort of uh, age cohort as we are to have kind of grown up on on Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. Harry Wild stars Jane Seymour and it just like I'm having a lot of like watching it with my mom vibes, even though I don't think that this is the kind of show that my mom would watch, but Dr. Quinn. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Harry Wilde, short for Harriest, obviously, um, is basically a retired uh professor who accidentally starts taking interest in criminal cases from her police detective son, uh, who's Kevin Ryan from Guilt. We hated Guilt, but I did like Kevin Ryan. Um, she basically kind of picks up a, a student um who sort of uh becomes her sort of uh, partner in crime, and uh the two of them basically run around solving crimes. Uh and I I uh I I'm pretty I'm I'm pretty excited about this. You know, this is I love, you know, female led mysteries. I'm not gonna lie. I'm looking forward to Magpie Mysteries. I'm looking forward to, you know, to Miss Scarlet oh, Duke when it comes I back. I'm very much excited for for Magpie Mysteries just because it's the uh the Leslie the what do we how do we how did we work Renaissance in her last name? Oh Manvillisance. Oh. <laughs> That's what I, I'm into that. Even though we all know this isn't my kind of show, but I love her so. Yeah. Um. And I, I, I speaking of female detective-led shows, um, Nicola Walker is also going to be back. This is actually coming to PBS Passport this spring, not PBS. Um, it will come to PBS eventually at some point. Um, they haven't said when, but uh, she so this stars. Is another in, one of those things where you get early access to stuff if you're a Passport member. Yeah, and uh, it, she stars in. It's called Annika, and it's actually based on a podcast where she played the same character. Um, this is the TV show version of it the the the, the pot or sorry the podcast slash ra- bbc radio Four drama um was called uh attica stranded and uh this is this is basically taking it and turning it into a tv show um it was hugely popular when it debuted in the uk last summer 
Um, and so um, I'm hoping that in the same way that Unforgotten was really popular in the UK and then came over here and became a hit, I'm sort of hoping that Annika, when it actually reaches PBS proper, will also hit big in the same way. And I encourage any people who have memberships and access to PBS Passport to check it out early. Um, I also wanted to bring up The Staircase, um, which is uh, over at HBO Max. And this is Colin Firth. <sighs> Um, and true crime and true crime it's a Venn diagram of all of my interests yeah um, I I think this is a very interesting thing Um, I don't really know a lot about this but you know I was I was I am here to tell you about this (laughs) Um, this is uh, like I said Venn diagram of my interests uh, this is a, a case of very if, if you if you have at all been sort of swept up in kind of the true crime mania of the past like five years, you've heard of this case. And I will tell you why, because it is the one with the owl theory. <clears throat> yeah, um, it is about a couple who the what the 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 wife who in the show will be played by Tony Collette. She is found dead at the bottom of their staircase. Hence, hence the name of the show. And there's also a documentary based on this. It's fascinating stuff because the guy, um, the guy who was charged with her murder, her husband, whose name is of course completely escaping me, but I can tell you all about owls. Um, <laughs> is he was you know a famous author. He was a military veteran. He was quite well known, and he is he's eventually charged with her murder. And and there's all, all this back and forth because you know she has some injuries that are not necessarily consistent with a fall down the stairs but there's also like microscopic feathers in her hair it's really like it's fascinating um and i won't tell you how it all turns out even though you can wikipedia it if you want to but it it went on for quite a long time in various stages of the saga it is truly wild and like i said one of the theories that they try to float at one point is that uh she the the wife was attacked by a like a barn owl and uh and because they're quite they they grow quite large and and in that attack was was given the head injuries that were consistent with what they found on her body and then like maybe the owl knocked her down the stairs or she like lost consciousness and fell down the stairs it's it's crazy i can't wait to watch this like because this is like prestige of my favorite like trashy things and i can't i can't wait um other uh other uh uh things that are coming this this spring we have a something called hidden assets which will be coming to acorn tv and this is a basically an irish show um that i i think uh fans really like again it's the same sort of it's it's another mystery series um but it's more in the sort of thriller vein you know power corrupts absolutely you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely kind of stuff in a small town in Ireland kind of thing. Um, I also wanted to mention uh, there is a remake of Call My Agent, the the French comedy. Um, it's called 10%. Uh, it's coming to AMC Plus. It's a comedy um, and it's going to, it promises as a UK, uh, as a UK remake, it promises to have lots and lots of uh, UK celebrities playing themselves as, uh, <laughs> um, and, and I, I've seen I've seen a few trailers for it. Um, I don't know if any of them actually made it this have made it stateside. I mean, and I know we don't have a um, we don't have a premiere date yet for the time Trevor's wife. No. But we've seen some images. I think we're all kind of expecting it to arrive in the spring at some point. Mm-hmm. This is another um, yeah. This is another one. You know, this is another one where this one is coming. Time Traveler's Wife is coming to HBO, not HBO Max. Well, it is coming but to we'll HBO Max. It will also be available on HBO Max. I but don't try to parse it. It'll be on your TV is yeah. basically the difference. Um, I, I actually I think a budget is actually also a little bit of, of the difference. I think things that get HBO that get the HBO label instead of the HBO Max label are a little get, get a little more money. But I don't actually know that for sure. That could be. But um, it's based on a super popular book that I know a lot of us read back in the day because it was literally like it was like a everywhere. I, I don't know if it was like an Oprah book club pick, but it was definitely like a popular book club read. And uh, um, it also there was a movie made of it. Yeah, the movie's not very good. Don't watch it. <laughs> I loved the book, I even wasn't though some of it is that, really go on. <laughs> uh, to, you just wait for the show. Like the book is so good, even though some elements are of the story are a little bit problematic. It's about a couple who falls in love, but the husband or the guy boyfriend slash husband slash man in the story, his name is Henry. Uh, has a genetic disorder that like displaces him in time so he bounces around through different points of his life and he meets 
his future wife at various points in her life, including when he's like 40 and she's like 12. So it's got some weird vibes in places, but it's it's still just really good. I loved it. I cried. I ugly cried reading the book. So I'm excited. I'm excited for some HBO level prestige tears. Also, it's from Stephen Moffat. So I was going to say a lot of problems with Stephen Moffat's storytelling, but I think he works great when he has like a path to follow and he's already proven he can do like timey, timey, wimey romance stuff. So I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be great. In fact, um, one of one of his best episodes that he ever penned for Doctor Who is called The Girl in the Fireplace. And it was literally inspired by him having read The Time Traveler's Wife. Um, so I didn't you, know that. I no. don't like that episode at all. But that's OK. Oh, OK. I love that episode. I know. It's just I just don't like it. But okay. I also I was like deep in my like 10 rows time ah, then. So I, was, okay. I didn't enjoy it for that reason. But. I didn't know it was I didn't know it was because he liked the book. That's so cute. Yes, that's actually the book inspired him. He was like, I wanna write a I wanna write a Doctor Who episode that that that, that, that reminds me of this book. And that's the and that was the end result. Um so you know, I have I have hopes for this. Um, you know, I, I, I miss having Theo James on my television. I'm sorry he's not gonna be walking around half naked in Sanditon, but I'm okay with him walking around half naked in time. I'm good with that. <laughs> I, we can do that. Um and in, in this case he's gonna be married to Rose Leslie, who uh you all remember is Gwen from Downton um, or Ygritte uh, from Game of Thrones. Uh, so, you know, I, 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 she's a great actress. I really am looking forward to seeing her do this. I mean, the show is called The Time Traveler's Wife, not The Time Traveler. Um, so I really I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing her um, as much as I am anything else. Um, I also, speaking of Game of Thrones, um, the other big thing that's coming to HBO this spring is House of the Dragon. I'm mostly mentioning this because... Another another TBD, but we all assume it's coming in the spring. Um, yeah, most people assume it's coming in the same birth that Game of Thrones always did in mid-April. Um, though, you know, HBO has not said anything of that nature. Um, so take it with a grain of salt. But, you know, this is one of those things where you just have tons and tons of great British actors um, in what probably are going to be very bad wigs. Uh, Matt Smith's <laughs> wig does not look great. Matt Smith, just from the photos I've seen. Matt Smith is the is one of the starring roles here, and yes, uh, he does not look good in that wig. Uh, Patty Constantine is another one who, uh, uh, yeah, I'm sorry about the wig. Uh, Emma, and you all know how I feel about bad wigs. Uh, Emma Darcy, Olivia Cook. Uh, there, there's just there's a. I t- do love Olivia Cook. She's Alison Hightower, yeah. Yes, she is. And so, like, there's really there's a this is a really great cast. I just don't know how I feel about a Game of Thrones spinoff in so many I really ways. could have had a couple more years between the end of like flagship Game of Thrones and us diving straight into more yeah. Thrones adjacent content. I also maybe would have been more excited if they had picked anything a else different. Well, yeah, like just a different a whole show about the Targaryens feels like a lot after the way they did Danny Dirty in the last season. I have my own opinions um, about the way that this show was picked. Um, there was a whole pilot process for a no, completely different show. The one about the children show. of the forest or whatever yeah. it was would have been so much better. Right? They did a whole pilot process of that. Um, and then as that pilot process was happening, HBO and Warner Media were acquired by AT&T. And when the pilot was shown... Um, Suddenly that pilot disappeared and House of the Dragon appeared instead. And the 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 sense of rushed um that came with that because the pilot was shown in like mid-September and the announcement the big announcement of HBO Max's debut coming which was uh, cemented by the Game of Thrones spin-off um was literally 3 weeks later. Everything about this felt weirdly rushed. Everything about this felt like a bunch of executives who knew nothing about it literally looked at this pilot and said, where are the dragons? Where are the Targaryens? And so they ran around like their heads were cut off and found a show with Targaryens and dragons. And I I, I have no idea if that's really what happened, but it feels like it. And I don't yeah. like that at all. I, and that's, I mean, honestly, like uh, truly, if they wanted me to care about a Westeros based show, they needed to not do a Targaryen thing. I would have really loved like a... um a brand the builder like way back in the past stark show that would have been great i have like a list of ideas they could have called me they didn't 
Yeah. Um, and that takes us to May um, and sort of the end of spring. Um, Masterpiece will end the season, um, the the twenty twenty two the twenty twenty one twenty two TV season with a show called Ridley Road. Um, and this is actually a, a, a dramatization of a true story, uh, a story of Viv- Vivian Epstein, the young Jewish woman who uh, in the 1960s, who basically runs away from her middle class life in Manchester and like goes undercover to fight fascism in London and like becomes like an informant on like the neo-Nazi movement of the 1960s. Um, it's a really interesting looking show. Uh, it's only a four parter. Um, but you know, this is, this is one of those things where it's a, you know, when you hear, you know, Nazis and masterpiece, most people think that we're going to do, you know, like World War II again. And I like the fact that we're going for a different era. We're going for a, a, a different idea, basically. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I like the concept. It was. It's a. It's a piece of. Um. It's a piece of history that I had no idea about. It feels sadly, unfortunately, timely for this yeah. moment that we are living in. Um. I don't know why we can't ever have things that feel unfortunately timely for like. I don't know four day work weeks and extended library hours or something. But <laughs> I guess if it has to be yet another show about fascism, this at least is something new. Yeah, and this, you know, it's got a really great cast. Rory Kinnear is in it. Eddie Marzen, uh, Tom Vary, like the uh, the 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 girl who plays uh, Vivian is a is a brand newcomer. Aggie O'Casey. This is her first role, so um, we'll see how she does. But you know, I am I am looking forward to this. I think this could be really good. Um, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, like I said, at least it's something. At least it's something different. It's not because um, when I first read about the show, I I too thought it was sort of like. Uh, uh, World War Two Nazi related, and that felt a little like we just did that with shows like World on Fire. So at least this is, like I said, it's something different. I will, and it's not a mystery, so I will try it. <laughs> I always that- have to support us giving giving masterpiece giving me literally anything that uh, is not insert job title here solving crimes. Um and. Uh- We'll close out with uh, the last thing that's coming towards the end of May, which I think all of us are looking forward to, and that is Downton Abbey, A New Era. (gasps) Well, we hope so. They've moved the movie, like, they've moved the premiere, like, three times, so let's hope this one sticks. Um, This is one of those things where, like, I think the Christmas one was was a rushed... Um, they were a little hopeful and they realized they couldn't do it. Um, the, the moving from March down to May was 100% Omicron thing where things that were supposed to come out in January and February when nobody was going to the movies got pushed down. So Downton then got pushed down along with them, not Downton Abbey itself being moved. If that makes sense, it was a shifting of the entire calendar. Um, that being said, you know, with, with, with cases down, you know, knock wood, um, I, it, it looks like people are going back to theaters. You know, um, that Batman movie did really, really well. I know. You know? I guess the question is, like, is is there an audience that's willing to go back for, to theaters for things that aren't like Spider-Man or Batman? I right. guess we'll see. Yeah, um, I, I am very much hoping that everybody comes out for Downton Abbey, A New Era. I love the concept. I love the fact that this is basically, like, how the Crawleys save Downton is by starting to rent it out to film things in it. It feel, The whole concept of this movie, this is a strange uh, comparison, so just, like, stick with me for a second. I promise it'll make sense. Looking at these movies, it makes me feel like I I was a big fan of the Babysitter's Club books. And so you know how the Babysitter's Club books had like their regular books, but like every year they would have these giant like summer edition specials where like the girls go to camp or the girls go to a ski lodge. Like this feels like the Downton Abbey like super special adventure <laughs> where they go to France or <laughs> instead of just being at home. I mean, I'm I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. It's just what it made me think of. I'm That's weird. That's really you guys funny. Knew that. I love that. Um, See, no, I told you it would work. You just had to like hang with me till I got there. Um, I, I I love this as the the Downton Abbey super special. I'm I'm totally gonna think of it that that way now. Thank you. Um, yes, this is down basically Downton Abbey. Two there's two sort of subplots that happen. One is that they start renting out uh the the castle to uh to Hollywood to film uh to film a, a period piece in. 
And, you know, because they then need to get away, um, they go to the south of France to a villa that uh, that Maggie Smith has, you know, randomly inherited because, you know, I don't know, it's just randomly inherited a villa. As you do. Yes, you do. Um, And honestly, we're just all going to go and watch because we love Downton Abbey and we love these characters and we love spending time with them and we love Maggie Smith's Bon Mots and we we love, you know... The Dowager Countess has got to be pushing 100 by now, but it's fine. It's fine. She will be eternal. She is eternal. And, And honestly, who doesn't, you know... How many of us haven't been able to travel overseas because of all the shutdowns and everything? You know, let's just all go to the movies and revel in the south of France and 1920s dresses and gorgeous hats. I mean, I'm yeah. here for it. Me too. Yeah. Okay, that is uh, a lot of stuff in the <laughs> next... In the next... Honestly, it's like... Yeah, I guess that's like two and a half months. Two mm-hmm. and a half months worth of content. That's yep. a lot. Um wow that just i'm sorry i just am having a moment where i realize what a small time frame that is and that how much work that means that i need to do around all these things <laughs> in that small time frame um yeah uh. yeah and i didn't even get to the ipcrest files or any of the other stuff i'm just you know what some of this just needs to wait until oh, we get there. peak tv guys it is non-stop yep. um but we will try our best to cover and talk about as much of these things as we can so, Annie, tell the people where you live on the internet. Uh, you can find me at Annie Bundle on Twitter. You can find me at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook. Uh, you can find pictures of my adorable fuzzy cats and their adorable fuzzy tails at Annie Bundle on Instagram. Um, let's see. I am a staff writer at Elite Daily and associate editor here at Televisions. And if you want to know what I've been writing this week, just, you know, go to my Twitter and follow me there because I retweet all of my bylines. Huzzah. Uh, I am Lacey MB on Twitter. That is L-A-C-Y-M-B. And like Annie, I write a lot here at Televisions and around the entertainment web. But I, too, always tweet my byline. So just be my friend on Twitter and you can get all of that great or mediocre content, depending on how I am doing on any given day. Uh, the site and the pod are on social media at Tele underscore Visions on Twitter and Televisions blog, all one word, on Facebook. If you want our podcast episodes just in an easier access way we are uploading them on youtube at the weta youtube channel that was a lot of times of me saying youtube didn't think that through it is uh we the pbs and if you want up to the minute weekly updates of what's going on on the site and with this show you can subscribe to our newsletter at uh, televisions.org slash subscribe while you are on our website, which again is at televisions.org, you can click on the donate button up top to help us keep making this apparently endless stream of content and support public media at the same time as we head into another season of PBS and Masterpiece premieres. Uh, PBS Passport will provide a lot of access to things before other people get to see them, and that is a member benefit to those that support us and our station and all that good stuff i don't know i'm so tired guys this is like this uh the year 2020 is still continuing apparently in my mind and it's a struggle we're trying i like went to a movie last week that was new and different now that i will not be leaving my house again thanks to the giant spider invasion that was nice (laughs) um be nice to each other the world is a scary dark place right now do what you can for the people in your lives, the people that touch the sides of your lives. Send some good thoughts in the direction of Ukraine and everybody that is suffering under just a pandemic, a war, giant spiders falling from the sky. I don't know. It's some it's scary out there. So do something nice for somebody else. It's what Mr. Rogers would want you to do. And as for us, we will be back next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>